What's up, guys? Rachel Lindsay here, and I am teaming up with your favorite Ringer podcasters to deliver the Bravo drama and news that you've been craving on Morally Corrupt. It's the show about all things Bravo, from the housewives to summer house and everything in between. We'll be mentioning it all every week. Check it out on Spotify and TheRinger.com. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus essential plan only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Nathan, we've got to start using Apple Cash. Uh, okay. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages where you and I text all the time. We do. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having, like I do when I bribe you to say nice things about my favorite Taylor Swift songs. You'll never forget a payment or have the money just sitting somewhere collecting dust. You do owe me money from the last time we saw those Taylor and Travis picks, so that is nice. (laughs) And once I've done that, you can use that cash right away. You can buy stuff at a store with Apple Pay. So I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff then? Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Wait, did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hello, and welcome to Every Single Album. I'm Nora Princiati. As always... I'm here with Nathan Hubbard on a Sunday, three days after the release of Harry's House, uh, a couple days after a college reunion for Nathan that I believe has left him maybe a little worse for the wear. But Nathan, uh, tell us how you're doing now that you've had some fun back on campus and also a few days to process Harry's House. You said a couple of days ago, it was a couple of hours ago that I woke up and flew back to talk Harry with you because I've been listening to this album pretty much nonstop in between three-minute, hey, conversations that happen at college reunions. So if, if Nathan sounds a couple octaves lower than usual, uh, just that is that is why. Yeah, and you know what? It's okay, because one of the awesome things about Harry's house is all of the wonderful under, underneath harmonies that Harry does down below his melodies. I love the low harmony stuff all over this album. So I'm just going to mirror it. Yeah, you will be our low harmonies. You will be our baseline for this pod. Um, What was the, were people talking about Harry's house at your reunion? Like what was the buzz? This was a reunion full of old people. Yes, actually they were. I mean, this has been a pretty big release. I think he did a lot this week leading up to the release. He was on Howard Stern. He was on the Today Show. He was sort of, ever-present, wasn't he? It didn't feel like too much, but it did feel like the buildup of something that was intended to be huge. How did you find this week? It was very fun. I mean, he's... he's Harry in in bits and spurts, I think, is so fantastic because he always wears something really cool. He always has such great energy. I I will say, because he's just so non-revealing in interviews, I find the, you know, an hour and a half with Zane Lowe a long thing with Howard Stern. It's always just like, all right, how many times is this guy going to say something about sort of like getting a chance to process and it being really cool to, to 
hang out with everybody and really work on making an album. Like it all seemed totally genuine, but it is funny how, you know, we're only three album cycles in here with Harry, right? But we're getting to the point where he has kind of given all of these answers before. Yeah. But then we had the one night only and in concert, I think is like where above all else, he just totally thrives. So it's been great. Love having Harry around. I'll take as much Harry as possible. I want to ask you about that though, because I feel a little bit that way about this album. I We're going to get into this and I think we both enjoy what we're hearing. But there is a little bit of surface layer super, not superficiality, that's the wrong way to say it, because I think there is some depth to the lyrical component of this album. But I'm curious, there is a, a little bit of a veneer that we get with Harry always, right? He's funny, he's curious, he's interesting. But we haven't always, always in the music, gotten this sort of very deep, emotional, cathartic, uh, you know, outpouring in in the album. And this feels like a fun, breezy album of the summer. I don't know that it feels like this introspective, deep thing that he's actually processed a bunch of emotion on. Does it to you? No, because it's not. It is a light, breezy, poppy confection of an album that I love, 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 love very much. But it's not I a Katy Perry album. You know, it's not like plastic. No, pop, but right? it's a, no, but I think it's it's closer than uh, that. Is a matter of a distinction between the sounds that people liked to use, it you know, circa 2010, and someone choosing to use mostly the sounds of the 80s to do something fairly similar. Uh, to me, a pop music stan, if ever there was one, I freaking love it. I, I think yeah. it's really, really wonderful to listen to. I'm going to listen to it a ton this summer. Yeah. To the extent that that feels like something that we have to bring up, I think it is because there is a slight bit of dissonance that's that's evolved as we've gotten into the third Harry album cycle, where, and our friend Kate Hallowell pointed this out when she wrote about some takeaways from the album on TheRinger.com. Let's remember that this is the artist who introduced himself as a solo act by flying through the air singing a song about the end of the world. Mm. Right? It was like big, serious, important. And then, you know, Fine Line was a very poppy album, but it was also personal and emotional once you get got deeper into it past the sort of like watermelon sugariness of it all. And we were also sort of in this like hairy rapture stage where we were just getting to know how fun he is and how outlandish he is and the clothes and, and oh the boy. jokes Listen and you. all of the ways that he, he can present himself. I think now that, I mean, we talked about the stakes for this album being so incredibly high. It set something up where there might've been an expectation that he was going to make a capital B, capital S, big statement. Yes. And I don't think he did. No. But I think he made a capital G, capital R, great record. And like, that's fine. But I do think that there's there's a tad bit of friction between those two things. Because I'm not sure that this is the album that's going to win him a Grammy. This is not winning I'm the sure Grammy it's... for album of the year. It's not. Well, and part of that is because of, of the competition that it's going to face. But I, I don't know what... It's just a really, really fun, good pop record that has a lot of songs that yeah. I think sound really great. 
I love that. It's the road tripping album of the year. Totally. Totally. And I I love those kinds of jams. I, I do understand if it leaves some people wanting a little bit more, but I would actually, on the whole, generally speaking, prefer that my pop stars just focus on making great songs rather than big statements. Yeah. So I'm into it. Yeah, I listened to it when it came out at midnight. And I listened to it on my phone because I was in a hotel room. And I have to say that on first pass, playing it on my phone, I was a little... I, I guess I was a little bit disappointed sonically. I just didn't... It, it felt... There was just a sheen on it that I wasn't loving. And then I put in headphones and I was like, oh, now I get it. Like If you don't get the bass and the low end on this album, you completely miss it. It does not translate nearly as well over iPhone. So much of the low register makes this album. The bass, the low notes on the synth, and then that that harmonizing underneath his melodies that he does very quietly. I love the production on this album. It, there's just so much space in between all of these rich textures that kind of mirror... For me, they kind of mirror his motion on stage. You know, it's really an album that's going to be so fun to hear live because uh, you know, there's that like there, there's all this like frenetic but highly coordinated offbeats that give him almost every opportunity to sort of slide in and out of his like Joker meets Mick Jagger dance thing. <laughs> you know, I want to know what is the arrangement equivalent of Harry like whipping the the microphone cord around behind him when he right. runs around. Exactly. You can sort of see those motions, right? And there are equally as many pauses that give him that opportunity to sort of charmingly bait the crowd and spread his arms and do that familiar like reverse fist pump throw his head back and scream out. You know, you can sort of see his live performance in a lot of this music. It, it feels like it was made uh, for an arena. Totally. And especially, I mean, you know that there's going to be some big horn section that pops up when he tours this and it's just going to be sick. Yeah, not not unlike what we saw at Coachella. Right, right. And, and it's going to be a blast and, and we can count on that. Shall we? And I, th- I think this is actually a good place to jump in and talk about the biggest hit because it's a little hard to figure out, right? Because we've had so much more time with as it was that the question is kind of, can anything come for that? But it's another way to kind of look at how it fits in with how we're seeing Harry in this moment and also just his overall discography Because I will say for, and I really, really like this album. I don't think there is a watermelon sugar on this record. No. If there is, it's late night talking to me. We've been doing all this late night talking about anything you want to till the morning. So thumbs up, thumbs down on late night talking. Because I'm very much thumbs up. I, I just don't think that everybody else will be. But what do you, how do you feel about that song? I feel... I think it's a great song. I think it's one of the best songs in the album. I I shouldn't say great. It's a good song. I enjoy it. It's super fun. The can't get you off my mind stuff just sounds like Shawn Mendes lost in Japan to me. I can't get you off my mind. Cause I can't get you off my mind. Can't get you off my mind. Can't get you off my mind. And it, it doesn't ruin the song for me at all. 
I hear it. You know, I hear a lot of the sort of uh, the the groove in there. I I, I just it doesn't. This is one of the first albums in a long time. I said this to you when we talked briefly the other day before we were like, wait, save it for the pod. But this is one of the first like big albums in a long time where I actually think the verses are way stronger than the choruses. That's not to say the choruses are weak. It's just a lot of the verses start in grape juice starts that way. I think late night talking starts that, where you're like, okay, let's go. And it sort of builds up, builds up. I'll do everything I can to help you through. And then it doesn't quite throw you over the edge on the choruses. You know, I'd be so interested to to learn a lot more about how they compose these songs and whether they started, you know, a lot of times you start with a melody or a hook that's in the chorus and then you build around it. It really felt like they got great grooves and then tried to evolve those grooves into songs. Right. That makes sense. I, I think, so I, I get your argument that the chorus to Late Night Talking doesn't like totally, totally send you. Again, I am just a sucker for that big sort of brass bandy exciting yeah. thing. So I really love well, you it. You got it here. Can't get you off my mind. And I got it. The one thing that drives me crazy on that song is there's some sort of, I think it's like, it's some synth part where it sounds really, really echoey. I just want to make you happy, baby. Like, even just in the individual notes, there's some sort of weird, like, reverb thing. I think it is unbelievably strange every time it pops in, and we'll drop a clip. But I do not understand it, but that is my singular note for that song. I really, really love that song. I think it's super fun. Is there anything else on this album that for you, do you, th- you think that'll be the next single? That's probably why you played it at Coachella. Is there, yeah. Is there anything else that, that you think? That makes sense. And I mean, it's second on the album. Yeah. A- anything that, that sort of rivals it? In terms of what I would guess would be super commercially viable and a big song, no, I think that would, I think as it was, will continue to be a big song, but I think it's that and Late Night Talking. Really? Music for a sushi restaurant you wouldn't drop? Music for a sushi restaurant, music for a sushi restaurant, music for whatever you want. I would I would drop it at some point, but if I had to pick a horse between those two, and that's not strictly a matter of preference, but if I had to pick a horse between those two, I would pick Late Night Talking. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the safer one. I just, I'm with you that I think a lot of people are going to like it, but it's not watermelon sugar. And so I might try, I mean, I know the kids busted him for the China Ann McLean song, Exceptional, from Disney's Ant Farm. <laughs> But like that melody is pretty ubiquitous. I mean, Saturday yeah. Saturday yeah, in the Park yeah, yeah, yeah. by Chicago borrows it too. It's like that's a, yeah. a sort of tale as old as time on that. But I, I, I think that's a really interesting 
And despite the fact that the kids all busted him, I think it's actually a pretty interesting and creative and and somewhat sort of innovative song for him. I might take a spin on that one just because it's it, it is a lot of fun. It starts the album. I mean, it's going to be so great live. And it's I think he said um, maybe it was to Zane Lowe. I'm forgetting which interview, but he talked about choosing that song to be the first track basically because whenever he was in a room with someone who would say, oh, will you, will you play me a little bit from the new album? Like, can I hear anything? He would always gravitate to playing them that song and just yeah. feeling like if I have one chance to sort of represent what I'm doing, I want it to be with this. And maybe part of that is because it's fun and accessible. And maybe there were some tracks that he wanted to sort of keep special secrets until it was ready. But that makes a lot mm. of sense to me as something that felt like this is a good way to hook people. So I'd be into that. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't that much else that you might drop as a single. I, I'm, I, I like Grape Juice a lot. I think, again, that's a, that's a song where I think the verses are badass. I just thought the chorus, I wanted the chorus to sort of elevate a little bit more. There's just no getting through without you. But it goes pretty hard in the beginning. I think it's terrific. I, cinema is pretty sexy. I guess we're in time. It's also John Mayer's best guest performance since he played 99 Problems with Jay-Z at the 9-11 concert <laughs> in New York. <laughs> but it like, it's minute. more, yeah, it's more like Sade than, it's more Sade than like a 2022 single, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's true. Um, but I, I also don't think, though, that like this is an album where they're staking a whole bunch on yeah. how do all the singles do, right? Like, I think he yeah. wants people to listen to this top to bottom as much as possible. I think for all that it may lack in like a clear cut, this is the watermelon sugar of this record. I think it's really consistent. There's a lot of there's deep cuts here that I know I'm going to gonna have on playlists and go back to a bunch of times. So I think it's a really, really strong example of an album. Yeah, And I right. think the more we get to know about Harry, we know that he cares about being an album artist and what the album as a whole is. So I think it's probably more successful on those terms than in the terms of how many, you know, billboard chart topping number ones are going to be here now to an extent, like, Harry could put out wheels on the bus and it's probably going to go to number one for a minute. Yeah, for sure. The wheels on the bus go round and round. In fact, <laughs> some of his One Direction mates have basically done that. Um, but there are some ghosts of Fine Line through this album, which I like in, in terms of just sort of the structure of the album. Like the little freak Matilda sort of interlude. You can let it go. You can throw a party full of everyone you know. 
reminds me a lot of yeah. Cherry and Falling together. I confess, I can tell that you are at your Yeah. It comes at sort of the same part of the album. I think Love of My yeah, Life. Yeah, when he's just like, I'm feeling fabulous. Now we're going to play heartbreaking, sad songs <laughs> yeah. for a moment. Let's process some trauma. I mean, Love of My Life feels, he always has that reflective, gorgeous, ethereal closer. Baby, you the love of my life. Whoa. Satellite is actually what borrows a ton of the drums from Fine Line. the like Bon Iver, Perth drums that we hear in fine line with the snare. They really are cousin songs, I think. Yeah. It's not for me, but yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's a spoiler alert. All right. I think that about covers it in terms of what's going to hit the hardest here. But what do you think is the best song? It's not even close. It's Keep Driving. Small concern with how the engine sounds. We held darkness and withheld clouds. Yes! It's awesome. I mean, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. It's it Give me all of the two minute, 20 seconds. I mean, you literally want it to keep driving. Like you want it to keep yes. going. It, I just like, it, it is such a repeat for me. I, I mean, Raya makes it into a meaningful lyric in an album. Raya, America, science, There's more cocaine on this thing. Like it's crazy. I love this song. There is a lot of cocaine on this album. But yes, I, I I can get over it for Keep Driving because it's just such a good song. It just makes me feel like it's supposed to be the either like for a great montage or over the closing credits in like the best 90s movie you've ever seen in your entire life. Like, it, <laughs> uh, I'm so into it. I don't even like cars. Like car culture means nothing to me. And I just love, love, love this song. Yeah, there's just something about it that is incredibly strong. It, it It is, for me, it can't be a single. Maybe it can. I don't know. Who the hell cares? But it, this is a awesome song. Did Leave you... Give it to Harry, Harry Styles to put out a single of a song with the lyric, cocaine, side boob, choker with a sea view. You know, the, the lyrics on Spotify say side book, but it definitely is side boob, it's isn't it? Side boob. It has to be. I don't. I'm like upset that it's side boob. So I guess if it were side book, like maybe. But he says side boob, I which think- is a weird thing to say. <laughs> also, like, look, I don't need to analyze this too too closely. But when you're sitting in a car, you sit side by side with people. I don't know. You're in the car. You're driving home from the beach or something. Somebody's wearing a bathing suit, like. It's a side boob viewing opportunity. (laughs) You think Harry's creepily scoping Olivia's side boob? No, I think he's, I think he has total, 
sent to scope the side boob, but I think he's scoping some side boob. This song also, is. Also, what's a side book? I don't know, but the, I'm just telling you what it says. He definitely makes it, he buries the consonant at the end of that word. But this, this, this song is Starbucks pretty Starbucks lovers all over again. Yeah, exactly. The song is pretty representative of the rest of the album in a bunch of ways, right? The lots of like single word scene setting, sort of the, it's almost like, like he almost lets us in on how he, you're inside his head. All the scene setting, visual imagery stuff. It's like how he processes. Yeah, it's like how he processes the world. Yeah, it's like his Pinterest page or something. It's like all these little Polaroids that he stitches together into a narrative. And, and and we sort of get right inside. I mean, it should almost be called Harry's Head, not Harry's House. Well, I, th- I think those are kind of one and the same, right? Like, I think Harry's House has become the shorthand for the curation of the spaces where he feels at home and happy and comfortable. And I think the things that seem to, as a collective, create that are, like, the love of someone that he cares about, a lot of breakfast foods. Hash brown egg yolk. A lot of foods. Some edibles. I mean, this is this album is like the very hungry caterpillar. The whole book. It's like <laughs> then he ate <laughs> rice and fried an egg, and then hash browns. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. But but it is a very interesting sort of day in the life with Harry Styles. Just seeing how he processes the world and 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 he's just sort of verbal diarrheas it into his lyrics and I'm here for it. This sort of gets back to where I think there is a little bit of friction between Harry the celebrity and Harry the artist yeah. where like we do we take Harry the celebrity awfully seriously. And in some ways he's earned that. Like he he seems smart and thoughtful. And in some ways, he's asked us to do that, right? Like, I think I think Harry Styles, the debut album in particular, set us on a course that kind of asked us to do that. Yeah. That said, what he is giving us right now, if we look closely at it, like, this is a very basic man. This is like a wonderfully basic man who just wants to have a nice time and have some eggs and some sex and go for a drive. <laughs> and make some like nice songs about it. And that's fine. That's really, really great. More power to him. That's he's telling us what his happy places are and we all deserve our happy places. So I'm, I, I Nora Princiati am very happy that Harry has chosen to celebrate that. Even if it's not like big world changing ideas. And and that's what we're learning. He doesn't have, I mean, I do think that, you know, his inclusiveness the way that he sort of creates safe spaces for people it is a big, you know, is a big impactful idea. But it, oh, I I do too. But I but don't think it comes through. In some ways, there's something lyrically. very, and I also think that the way that he has done that is, and I actually think there is something very powerful in this. He's just sort of always done it. Like Harry Styles is not going out there and talking about incredibly specific policy matters or getting like corely involved with politicians or doing things in, in with hyper specificity in terms of the issues that he believes in. But from basically day one, he's just been like, what are you even talking about that? This would be an issue. Love who you love, be who you are. Like how, 
Yeah, he made Who some could pretty, possibly think otherwise? He made some pretty strong statements about his belief in abortion rights on the Howard Stern show this week. I just don't think anyone should be able to make decisions about anyone else's body. It doesn't it doesn't really make any sense to me. Um so he does he, yeah. put himself out there in that way, but No, he it, he totally does, but he does it in, and I think this is this is lovely where like he paints with a broad brush in a really lovely way where it's just sort of like yeah, I don't even think about this as politics. I think about this as self-evident, like, how, uh, what the heck, man? Like, yeah, let's all have a good time. Yeah. And there's a there's an important place for that. And I think it's it's actually kind of, he doesn't take himself too seriously. It's, it, there's something just very warm. M- my guy is not going to write a protest song, right? He's not going to be the leader of a movement in that way. But, that's okay. We've come to expect and learn what he is. He's he's here to have a good time. Have a good time all the time. And and want and want that kind of genuine happiness for other people, which sort of in a in a transitive sort of way can end up being very powerful, but yes, I I think we've one thing that we have learned is that we have come a long way from here is my song about the end of the world and and Yeah. A mother expressing that on her on her deathbed to a child. It's interesting as he gets even more famous and wealthy, like he gets in, are we going to see him get into so much of a bubble that he sometimes has trouble relating? It's nice that he wants that for everybody, but he's also, you know, in grape juice, he's talking about drinking red wine from 1982, which is like the most expensive and best French Bordeaux year ever. Just me. So like right. it's cute, but you know Harry can afford that shit. <laughs> like at some point, at some point, will he be able to make music and and lyrics that people can relate to? Maybe that's why he keeps it sort of high level. Although I do think that the most compelling stuff on this album is in a song like Matilda, where he goes, you know, he's clearly singing about processing processing trauma. Yeah, I, w- I want to talk about Matilda in a second, but it, I will say as a counter argument to that. Okay, yes, he references a specific vintage. In general, most of what he seems to have on the mood board of things Harry Styles believes are part of a a wonderful life are going on drives and hanging out with your friends and going to the beach and like they're they're pretty universal things. Now maybe the distinction is that those were those sort of markers of domestic bliss were part of his pandemic experience and they were not going to be part of a lot of more normal people's pandemic experience, but he's not in general talking about, you know, tearing down hotel rooms at the Mandarin Oriental. Like that's not not how he rolls. Our relatable King. (laughs) Sort of for now. (laughs) Okay, so we both agree that Keep Driving is the best song. You mentioned Matilda. Is that kind of a a subcontender for you or do you have other subcontenders? I don't have another subcontender, I have to be honest. I mean, I'm interested in your thoughts on Matilda. I like it. He's talking a lot on this album about things that have just been on my mind or I've just been thinking about. <laughs> the falsetto on this song is beautiful. In other words, I know. Yeah. I would be fascinated to know who this is about. 
What's your takeaway from it? Yeah, so uh, Matilda to me, I think is a little bit what sign of the times is to you where I'm impressed by it and I'm interested in it without it truly moving me. I will say it contains, and I'm going to save this for later, but it it contains the single most vivid and striking lyrical vignette I think Harry Styles has ever written. Okay. Like the one that grabs me more than any other line he's ever put in a song has. In general, though, I have a feeling it does resonate with a lot of people. And it's a brave and interesting and impressive thing to do to make this song if it resonates with even half of the people who listen to it. So I'm glad that it's on the album. It's one of the songs that I've skipped sometimes because hmm. it just I just I can't I can't connect with it. I know I'm not connecting with it in the way that it's sort of meant to be connected with, except in a few specific moments. But I do think it's beautiful and and I will get to the lyric, but there's something in there that I I just can sort of see more starkly than I'm used to in a lot of his songs. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I It's not a skip for me, that's for sure. It definitely is a heart tugger. I want more from... I want more of this. I want I want him to go even deeper. It, it feels... Um, <sighs> I want him to write a Matilda about himself. Don't have to be sorry for leaving and growing up. Yeah, well, that's how I feel. And obviously, because th- that's where yeah. that's where I say like, so it's it, the specific story that he writes. If it's not totally grabbing me, I still think it's really impressive because I bet it will grab a lot of people. So if you're doing that and you're giving that as a gift to a lot of your fans, that's a really, really cool song to do. And that's a really, really impressive challenge to have taken on and succeeded in. If Harry writes Matilda about Harry and I believe it, then it doesn't really like then then that works for everybody. Right. And that's the sort of more interesting and compelling version of that to me. Yeah. I don't think that he really wants to write that song. I mean, there's very little there's the sort of spoken part of as it was where he goes through a lot of his own sort of anxieties. Not all that much of the, the pain on this album is Harry's pain. Yeah. Even when he's a little jealous and little freak, it's not really that it's not digging at him it's not eating at him yeah I'm not worried about where you are who you go home to just thinking about you he's just not doing a ton of of kind of you know bleeding in front of you on no on and, and even here he's just sort of speculating about the character in Doll's book like it doesn't feel like it's necessarily uh, rooted in personal experience, unless maybe it is, it, 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 he doesn't really, he doesn't tell us that fully. Well, I mean, I, and he also, t- he kind of tells us the polar opposite of that, right. right? He has expressly said, this is about someone else. This is my attempt to tell a story that is pretty far from me. Yeah. Mission okay. accomplished. So, so clearly far and away, it's keep driving for you. I would say the same for me. 
But my B category okay. is Little Freak. Yeah. Music for a sushi restaurant and late night talking. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think Little Freak is terrific. And it's not just because... I mean, this is the one where when he says, I disrespected you. I disrespected you. Jumped in feet first and I landed too hard. That's the one where yep. there's some real vulnerability there. And yep. that I think is actually probably for me the most interesting lyric on the album. But I don't mm. think this is about Olivia. Do you? No, it's definitely not. It's definitely like a hindsight thing. Do you think it's weird that at the 245 mark, the you... About you. Sounds a lot like the Now I'm Covered in You from Taylor Swift's Ivy. Do I think it's weird or do I think it's interesting? Fascinating. Potentially telling. I'm not so sure. Not to jump to are any of these songs about Taylor Swift, but is this song about Taylor Swift? Was there a broken ankle in the snowmobile accident? A broken ankle, comma rules. You never saw my birth We've karma. given those those wonderful hospital workers so many flowers for just being good, kind people who didn't give up their story, and now I'm like. Come on, Whatever. give us the HIPAA violation. Give us the records. Broken ankle? Question mark. I, I mean, there's no way that all of that came out of this relationship. There's, it just didn't go for long enough. But it's fun to speculate. And there. Also, are... she doesn't really wear a lot of tracksuits. She's worn a tracksuit, but she's not a track. She doesn't have a tracksuit vibe. Yeah, that's not her move. Particularly in the in the um, Harry era. Well, that's true. And I guess, I guess, I guess it could be, I guess it could be about Olivia. I mean, listen, her, her ex-husband wore a tracksuit in the what's up with that sketches. Where well, he, and, and Ted Lasso. Yeah, exactly. So maybe, maybe she was borrowing tracksuits a lot. I don't think it's about Olivia. I think there's a lot of songs about Olivia on this record, but I don't Do think you? that's one of I, them. See, I think there actually aren't that many. Well... Like, because you think the timeline is muddy? I think the timeline is muddy. And I think that a lot of these are sort of retrospectives on relationships that ended. Like, I don't think Love of My Life is about Olivia. Love of My Life is about England. I don't know you half as well as all my friends. I won't pretend that I've been doing everything I can. It's about England? Love of My Life is like the song that he always wanted to write for his his... Homeland. This is okay. We're going to talk about what songs we would cut because for a second, I wanted to say that I would cut love of my life because I have to be honest. I don't think it sounds very good. I don't think the music of it sounds in a way that is super pleasant to me, except for the piano at the end, which I think is lovely. But I think the lyrics are so cool. I think this story to it where he wanted to write this this song about the UK, like being home, but also there's a line about like 
my friends know you better than I do. Like he's been away so much. I, I just am really, really into the story of it. So I sort of feel like I can't part with it, but I just don't, the sound of it does not work for me. It's a mm. little too drab. It's a little too death march. Um, this is I how you felt of, about Fine Line too, and they're absolutely yes, yes. of the same DNA. And, and they are of the same DNA. And Fine Line is Harry's favorite song on that record, so I get it. Like what is for me is not necessarily for everybody, but I am split between loving the story of that song and just not really wanting to listen to it a ton. I thought musically, I actually enjoyed it. I have to be honest. You well, have a higher tolerance for songs that are kind of bummers than I do. Yeah. I dig it. I'm glad that you're into it. But what are you cutting, Nathan? Well, that's what I'm asking you. If you're, if you're, if well, because I cut. haven't even answered what I'm cutting. I don't right. know. I, I don't, I don't know that I'm like, I'm so, okay. I would say the songs that I'm less totally like grabbed by include. Love of my life, but I don't want to get rid of it for the storyline reasons. How do you feel about daydreaming? I like daydreaming. I'm into daydreaming. Mm-hmm. He want like I love. This is just sort of like it's just fun. It's light. It's bright. Satellite. It's Satellite? Satellite is like not totally for me either. Uh, it uh, That's what I thought at the beginning, but it's really grown on me. It really just builds and builds and builds. And in that sense, it's kind of a cousin of Fine Line on the, on the other album. But I, the more that I played this, the more... I got into it. At first, I thought it was kind of a meh throwaway, but I'm kind of into the crescendoing, you know, bigness of this song. No, I I think that's cool. Look, we're only doing this because we have to, right? Again, I feel pretty strongly that top to bottom, this is a strong album. Like for, for as much as I think it's fair to quibble with sort of how high are the highs, it's a really, really like these people know what they're doing in making just a top to bottom yeah. good record. I, I don't know that I want to cut anything, but forced to, that's a contender. And then the last one that I'm sort of split on is Boyfriends. Okay. You love a fool who knows just how to get under your skin. <laughs> it's sort of funny. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, let's talk about boyfriends. I, I have some others let's that I actually talk think I about would, boyfriends. I have some others that I think I I would cut. With the John Mayer stuff all over this album, boyfriends feels a little bit like his daughters to me. Father's bigger to your daughters. Like yeah, is it? I don't think it's quite that corny. Like, look, I think it's... He's kind of pandering. It's a little... Yeah. He's really pandering. Boyfriends They think you're so easy They take you for granted I mean, so, okay, okay. Uh, And this is a conversation that I had with my own boyfriend of over whether or not he was pandering. And I, I think he 
undeniably is in certain ways. I mean... You're trying to talk yourself out of the reality that this is a very well, hi- highly pandering song. So we, but it is it is pandering, but the other... The flip side of that coin is kind of like knowing where your bread is buttered. And I would say the distinction between daughters and boyfriends is that <laughs> daughters is this appeal to the men, right? To the father figures. Fathers, be good to your daughters. Like, because you are the be all and end all of their worlds and you will shape them and they will they will grow out of you and you are the progenitor and you are very, very important. Which is true in some ways, but it's a little corny. Uh. Boyfriends is a song for the girlfriends, right? Boyfriends is not for the boyfriends. No one's talking to the boyfriends. <laughs> but in the both song cases, boyfriends is talking to the girlfriends. In both cases, the audience is the doe-eyed girls in the front row. <laughs> and I'm not really into that. To boyfriends everywhere. Fuck you. Yeah, but I think I think it's a tick less cheesy. Just because he is, he's sort of giving giving the women the reins in a way that's sort of funny. Like, it feels like this admission of just like, yeah, you guys have made my career in a lot of ways and I got to pay the piper a little bit. It's pandering. It's pandering. Come on. This is classic Harry Styles. He can get out of any jam because by like batting his eyes and looking handsome and saying something charmingly British and you let him off the hook. I think we got to hold his feet to the fire on this one a little bit. Okay, is it that? Or is this him kind of paying up and being like, I am nothing without the women who adore me? I would would love to believe it. I would love to believe it. Look, I wouldn't wouldn't cut it though because I think it helps shape the album, especially if you listen from front to back. I'm surprised. I thought Daydreaming was kind of meh. I mean, John Mayer's playing guitar. It, it borrows a lot from Christopher Cross's Ride Like the Wind. It, it has a little bit of Treat People with Kindness vibes that I, that I sort of like, but like lyrically, there's just not much to this at all. It's like he's sitting yeah, in a field. Yeah, there's not much to it lyrically. But it's it's driven by a, a groove that I really like. And then also, it's just such a good example of something that I find very charming and funny and silly about this record, which is that, like, it's a Yacht Rock album half the time. She said, love me like you pay me. It sounds like Steely Dan. Well, that's, that's Christopher Cross. What do you want? <laughs> He's Christopher Cross is Yacht Rock. There's something very like endlessly charming about the fact that this guy, this pop star who were like this gender bending savant who's doing so much for the music industry. And he's so fascinating. And we dissect his relationships and we don't really know anything about him, but we want to know so badly. And Harry Styles, Harry Styles, Harry Styles. Homeboy just made like a an easy listening yacht rock album. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't think it goes quite that far. But I it, it there, goes pretty close. <laughs> it, it is it feels a little bit more um again, I think there's some really nuanced uh interesting musical work on this album 
The, I it, do too. I do too. I'm being a little facetious. No, I know. But it is it is undeniably fun and breezy and stays a little bit at the surface level. Look, I I don't love daylight. Daylight, you come and calling at all times. Ooh, I, I love both daydreaming and daylight. I, I, I think daylight is fun, but I come away from it being like, this must be how it feels to be in a relationship with Harry. Like, again, it's fun and breezy and physical, but it stays at kind of a surface level. And he's turning interesting phrases, but not really letting you in. He got you with the cocaine in my kitchen stuff, though, didn't he? No, I wish he would stop making drug references. Well, they're all over this album. I know. Just to, to be clear. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kid. There's drinking in Boyfriends. He starts secretly drinking. Drinking the wine and satellite. Then we drink the wall till we want to talk. There's wine yes. glass, puff pass, there's edibles and keep driving. Wine glass, puff pass, tea with cyborg. There's doses and high You're never, never going to hear a complaint about wine or edibles. There's spilled beer in Little Freak. I spilled beer on your friend. I'm not sorry. There's sorry, cocaine Mom. kitchen in daylight. You were just doing cocaine in my kitchen. You never listen. There's what kind of pills are you on? And as it was in grape juices, completely about red wine. He's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, we might need to grape stage an intervention. Like, grape juice is like a love song to wine. Yeah. We may need to make somebody's got check on Harry. I mean, look, we're still sort of in this in this time period where we were talking about music that came out of the pandemic and yeah, either Harry or Adele is going to wind up with the crown for best pandemic song about wine. Soaking it all off of fun, but now I only soak up wine. Well, there's a lot of entrance into the category from Harry on this album. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think he would, I think grape juice is his, would be his official entry. For sure. There's plenty of, there's plenty of contenders. I look, and, and this is not me saying that I don't like Daylight as a song. I just think in terms of strength, I sort of found Daylight and Daydreaming to be interesting. You could live without them. In, yeah, sort of woven into the texture and fabric of the album. It works. But if I'm going to cut one, I think I'm probably cutting Daydreaming just because, you know, fuck you, John Mayer. Well, that's fair. That's very fair. Daylight is only two minutes and 44 seconds. So if you cut it, it wouldn't be that much, that much off the album. I'm into it. I'm into them because they're like poppy and fun. But I agree with you that because there are sort of poppy fun songs that I like better than those on the album, it could, it could continue to exist as its sort of whole entity without them. I found myself coming back to Little Freak coming back to yeah. music for sushi restaurant, coming back to cinema, but obviously just hammering the, the repeat button on keep driving. Same. 
Same, same, same. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh-oh. What happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history who I'm paying. Full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Okay, so we've talked about John Mayer. Gross. Uh, guitar sounds good. It does. It sounds really good. Is that enough to make him the most important collaborator here? No. He's mostly working with the same people. You know, Kid Kid Harpoon's here. We're doing it like we've been doing it. Yeah, and I I, I wanted to be sort of cute. I think think it's the vocal engineers who are his most important collaborators. There are so many interesting harmonies and layering of his vocal all over this album that, and obviously a lot of that is production too, as they sat in the studio and said, all right, here's our melody. What are we going to frame around it? But I think it's vocally the most interesting album that he's ever made for sure across any, you know, One Direction or solo catalog. We've talked so much about sort of like searching for Harry's signature. And one of those things to me very clearly is just he makes records that sound really good. Sometimes you are searching for substance, but the sounds of the things that he gives you are really, really, really good. And and I certainly take your point that the engineering has a lot to do with that on this record in particular. Are there a couple couple moments that you feel like really seal that? I love the falsetto in Matilda. In other words, I know. For me, that that is like that. It just grabs you. There's no, you know, there's no like um, one direction style huge vocal moment. You know, like there's no right. like it's got to be you sort of moment on here. <laughs> it's gotta be. I just think that sort of consistently layered throughout every track is a really uh, just beautiful 
series of harmonies that they just really, I thought, interestingly pieced together. I'm sure you're going to tell me it's the scatting on Music for Sushi. Oh my God. No, it's so funny. I'm glad it exists just so that I can know that it exists. <laughs> Harry, what is going on here? It's fun. I'm all about it. You can't tell me some edibles weren't involved in that decision. Uh, clearly they were. They were involved in most of the decisions on this album. It's like, come on, yeah. man. You don't have to publish the, the you don't have to publish the product development. Just let's just see just see how it ends. Well, but okay. Like I, I know you're kidding, but the development cycle for this album and for all of Harry's albums, like I, I do think that he is sort of reaping the benefits of having this close-knit group of collaborators. Yes. Because to your point of just there being so many little vocal moments that sound really, really good, and sometimes they take you a few listens and headphones and turning the volume up to, to access all of them. But I'm really convinced that this album is the product of people who know each other really well, people who know each other's work styles really well. Yeah. Now, I wonder if there's a step to be taken at some point where some fresh blood would maybe push him lyrically or help him find a way that's comfortable to get a little bit more open in some of these songs. Right. But in terms of the the engineering of the songs, the production, the arrangements, and, and especially how they're working with his instrument, his voice, it, these are people who know what they're doing and who know yeah. each other really well and who know know how to do that. If there's a reason for disappointment here, it's because we heard he's been hanging out with Joni Mitchell in songwriting circles. And all of the right. music on this album is really fun. And I think some of the lyrics are interesting. We just didn't get really amazing portraits or, again, deep into Harry's heart. He's interesting because I think he kind of spans both. But he, I think he has more of the heart of a pop star than of a singer-songwriter, mm -hmm. even though he's a very good songwriter. But when he gives spectacle and something to watch and something interesting, somehow that feels more like right to me than, like, I don't think that storytelling is his core medium mm. as an artist. I, I just don't think that that is what like is deep in Harry Styles' musical soul. Is Harry Styles shallow? Is oh that what God. you're saying? <laughs> I play the fifth. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I don't I no, I think he might have a very deep and rich emotional inner life, but I don't think that he's choosing to share it in a lot of ways. He's definitely not. Uh, and I'm okay with that. This is great, great summer album. Okay. So I like your pick. Can I, I, I was a little cute with mine. Can I give you mine? And please. So I, I went with everybody who plays all, all the, the trumpets and the horns. And so that's, there's a guy named Ivan Jackson who plays the trumpet on Sushi Restaurant. And that in particular, I wanted to highlight just because I love the idea that this is the moment when Harry got to just like go crazy with all of the horns, 
because there's an interview that he did with One Direction where he mentions that he wanted trumpets on Olivia, but they got nixed from the final arrangement. Olivia's still not finished. (laughs) (laughs) There's some hey hey's in the chorus. And I was begging and begging him to put like trumpets in. And, uh, and they never came. And I was like, okay, great mix, but I'm you're still missing it. the trumpet. <laughs> still missing the trumpet. So I'm, I'm just choosing to read stuff. this album as this like really wonderful full circle moment where he got to have all of the trumpets that his heart desired. <laughs> so I think um, Ivan Jackson for the trumpet on Sushi. He also plays the horns on Daydreaming. Tyler Johnson does like these cool synthesizer horns that are on grape juice. Joshua Johnson plays the saxophone on Matilda. Harry must have just been super into that. And I'm I'm so glad that he is now in control of his musical destiny and he can call up a sax player or just add horns and trumpets to whatever songs he wants to. I, I do think you made a point before that's going to be interesting. Like, where does he go from here? We can talk about that at the end, but uh, it, it, they are a band now, this production crew, for sure. And right. now we're three in and uh, it, it would be interesting to see him paired up with some others from here. Not not to take any shots. I just think, and I and I think this is a very different, interesting album. It doesn't feel like it's getting old. I'm not tired of it. Keep going, but um, but I'd like to see somebody lock him in a room and make him cry, <laughs> and then see what comes, <laughs> and then see what comes out of the out of that room from a song. Even Hubbard, lock Harry Styles in a room and make him cry. Somebody's got to push that boy. All right. Speaking of which, what's Pete Carey? It's the drinking and drugs for me. I mean, yeah, I said I said all of the sex, drugs, and breakfast foods. <laughs> it's it's a very hungry caterpillar, a very hungover caterpillar, just eating and snorting and drinking everything that he sees in his path. How is this person as like universally charming to people as as he manages to be? Uh, again. When you say drinking and snorting all over the place, I'm not like, ah, yes, how delightful. <laughs> I know, but he just gets away with it. He's just, he's Teflon. Nothing sticks to this guy. Well, he's, he is hungry too, though. Like we got fried rice. Peanut is fried rice like cooking egg on you. We've got I could cook an egg on you. We've got ice cream. Bubble gum. Your sweet ice cream, but you could use a flake or two. Honey. Give me the spoon, if you and honey, so I could be sticking to it. Pancakes. Maple syrup, coffee, pancakes for two. More eggs. Hash brown, egg yolk, I will always love you. Huge piles of cocaine. Yeah, he loves eggs. He seems to be. And then we still have we have we have fruit again. We've got the grape juice. Yeah. We could make a nice we could make a nice like grape juice sangria with the cherry and the kiwi and the watermelons. 
Yeah, I imagine he rolls out of bed around 11, 11.30 and whips up a convenient breakfast. That's just, where all the eggs are coming in. It's just how our guy rolls, I think. Yeah, but that's, for me, it's PK. What do you, you had, you basically had that for PK. Yeah, same. Sex, drugs, and breakfast foods. Yeah. That's like, there are these dueling Pinterest boards, as you said, right? Like on on one side, we have uh, kind of being like nice and in nature and doing some yoga and thinking and being outside and enjoying the beach and all of these sort of, again, like domestic bliss. And then on the other side, we have piles of cocaine (laughs) and a lot of sex. (laughs) We're learning a lot about our boy, Harold. I don't know if, I don't know if piles of cocaine and a lot of sex actually uh, passes the, the Pinterest standards review system, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) Speaking of which, a terrifying segue if ever there was one. How do you, I don't feel like we've talked about cinema enough yeah. as like one of the Harry's hornier songs on this album. Now, you don't think a lot of this record is about Olivia Wilde, but you have to think that cinema is about Olivia. I, 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 yeah, I hope it is. Otherwise, Olivia should be a little concerned. <laughs> I just think you're cool. I take your cinema. <laughs> Got a big thing for movie directors. How I feel like he wanted this song to be bigger than it actually is. It's fun, but again, it 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 landed more Sade than like, whoa, this is a fucking print song. This is like the heaviest, like most sexual song I've ever. It just it didn't land for me quite in that way. So one thing I've learned is that I hate the word intimate. I, I don't want it sung. I don't okay. want it. Like, I think intimate is the new moist. But. Oh, man. I think if he wanted it to really like to be that, I don't know. I don't get a lot from that song that makes me feel like he wanted it to be so huge. Like if he wanted it to be this huge, big song, why wait until late in the song for it to kind of take off I don't have an answer for that I I I like it a lot I just yeah I do too yeah I, yeah it, I, it, I my only quibble here is like I think cinema is living the life that cinema was was supposed to live okay and that's that, 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 you're probably right about that it just but we agree that it's we agree it's probably about Olivia it's definitely this one. I don't think there's a debate. This one is about Olivia. Well, this would normally be the point in time when I would say, but Nathan, are any of these songs about Taylor Swift? <laughs> I, I think we've acknowledged that we think there's maybe some Little Freak potential. I, I, I Little Freak is a great song. I think it, there's definitely some potential that <laughs> there's there's some really interesting parallels to Ivy. Plus, Harry sings your delicate point of view. I don't know. Who has a song called Delicate? Thinking about who you are, your delicate point of view. Is it chill that you're in my head? Because I know that it's delicate. 
Oh, God. We can Taylor fall down. Swift. Yeah, exactly. Taylor Swift. We can absolutely fall down the hole. Dr. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> if you need to know that 50 cats in a minute, she's your doctor. She's a doctor now. I'm calling her Dr. Taylor Swift for the rest of my life. That's, yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to every single album, Dr. Taylor Swift. <laughs> the answer is Little Freak, and I don't think anything else on this album is is close. We've moved on. There just isn't enough. We've mined the shit out of that for material at this point. Yeah, I was a little bummed. So I think, look, whatever. John Mayer's guitar playing is very good. I was bummed to see that he was on this album just because I feel like it kills. I don't think, I don't think we're getting style Harry's version, Taylor's version. No, we're. <laughs> I probably didn't think we were to begin with, but I was holding we out hope. I was holding out hope. I wouldn't have put like a high percentage. But why on is it, this but something I, we care about? Why do we want these two to reconcile so badly? Because of the zeitgeist, Nathan. It just would have, I don't know, it would it would give us something to talk about. <laughs> we got plenty to talk about. I, I, and I it think, would, I, but it would probably, I don't know, there might be songs. It would be fascinating. Do you think Olivia is ever going to be good enough for the fan base? Or are they always going to be, meh, annoyed by it? Um... I don't, I, I think maybe they could just get over it at some point. I don't really know. What I do feel strongly about is that that has absolutely nothing to do with her. Like, I don't think that. I, I, I totally agree. If they get married, if they have kids, like whatever. She, it, it has absolutely nothing to do with her actions. There's just like, uh, there's two things. I mean, there's probably a lot of things, but there's two main things going on. I think both of which are stupid. One of them is just that it's hard to let go. A lot yeah. of people have crushes on Harry Styles. Yeah. It's hard to sort of see him with someone. And then the other thing is that like she's a she's 10 years older than him and she's a mother who is publicly acknowledging that just through her actions, even though she doesn't talk about it, but like she has a sex life. She wants her life to go on. She wants her romantic life to go on and is willingly embracing that and having fun and is with someone that she likes, it seems like. And that's an easy, unfortunately, that is a very easy thing for our culture to vilify. So I'm happy for them. And I think everyone should be nice. I mean, as it was, it's about her too. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, the two kids yeah. reference and all that. Yeah. Right. I wonder how Sudeikis feels about all this. Someday we'll ask him. Well, and then, right. The other thing is that that is, that is a contentious situation. It is. And... The whole paper serving thing, and uh, yeah, his yeah his... no, it's it seems like a genuinely complicated thing, but I think that there, I think that like there's this whole weird angle to it that is becoming like is Harry Styles somehow bad for her kids, and that is so dumb. There is absolutely not one shred of of evidence or our ability to know the answer to that question one way or another. The only reason that is something that is coming up is because a younger man is in a relationship with an older woman. If yeah. Jason Sudeikis were dating a woman 10 years his junior... Nobody would say shit. Nobody would even know. Like, no one would make a peep. It wouldn't come up. It just wouldn't be interesting. So... 
I think Sudeikis is I think Sudeikis is a Ted Lasso character is somebody who so many people connect with too that they sort of ascribe all this positivity to him and then she gets sort of unfairly cast as somehow being the problem child in the relationship and then that carries over to the way that people feel about her with Harry. Anyway, it's all just sort of strange fandom psychology. She went to my high school Whoa. and I was in one I was in a play one semester and it came up um the director who was a teacher in the theater department it came up that he'd taught her and that they'd worked together a bunch and I, somebody asked like oh what was she like and he it was like the funniest answer he could have given at first he was like oh she was just like any other student here blah 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 but then he was like she was just like any other student but incredibly talented and the the hardest working person who came through these doors and clearly very strikingly beautiful and possessed a kind of charm that you just don't see normally. And it was just like, ah, oh, she was just like any other student, but like <laughs> but better and magical human. in every way. <laughs> like, okay, got it. Cool. Sweet. That's a nice, that's what a teacher generally does is yeah. t- tell you you're not good enough funny. without telling you you're not good enough. I was like, okay, so cross off be Olivia Wilde from my to-do list. Okay, so you just mentioned that the two kids lyric on as it was maybe being about the situation with her. We've talked about a few different lyrics so far. What's the best one? That's your job. I My job is to tell you the worst. You're still doing this entire season. I've just been like trying to get you to be like, I think this lyric is so great. And every time you're just like, nope, you... No, I- there's a real trigger moment for me on this album. Okay. Well, the best lyric, since we're going to start off on a high note. I said that there was a part of Matilda that was visually striking to me in the lyrics in a way that's new in Harry's discography. And it's at the beginning. It's just the opening vignette. And specifically, you're trying to lift off the ground on those old two wheels. And you're trying to lift off the ground on those old two wheels. There's something about the image of a little kid on a bicycle, like biking so hard that you just feel like it could sort of lift off and fly that I can see in front of my face in a way that I really, truly don't think I've ever been able to see a Harry Styles lyric Hmm. before. Well, that's nice. You found something that actually moved you. Thank I mean, you. Lyric- no, it really, really, really did. Lyrically, I do like this album a lot, even though it, yeah. there's not depth. It's, it's sort of the wrong word, but the, it, it, in that the, there, there are all these little vignettes and Polaroids sort of stitched together. But I, I, I enjoy the album lyrically. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't feel contrived. It doesn't feel... Except for, <laughs> except for boyfriends, it doesn't feel pandering. Uh, so it does feel like sort of progress in that way, and maybe that's what he picked up from from the work he did with Joni. Yeah, I, I think the actual lyrical writing, I like a lot of it, and I agree that it's a big step forward. I mean, he's not always writing about that much. It's more, I think, to the extent that we're sort of trying to assess the depth here, it has to do with the subject matter more than it has to do with 
how he's choosing to write about it. I think the way that he's writing about the subjects that he's choosing to write about is largely really excellent. Mm. It's just that sometimes, like, even in, in Little Freak, he's writing about maybe some slightly melancholy nostalgia, but it's not that melancholy. It's not, he's not jealous and hurt in this situation enough so that he can, he can't think about this person with someone else and even care. So there's, but I, I think the lyrics in that song are really beautiful, but it's, it's just not like, he's not aching all that much. Why would he be? Life's pretty good. Well, right. That's right. I mean, he's drinking 1982 Bordeaux. <laughs> it is massive house. And having hash browns. And hash. And, you know, making out with whoever he wants. Look, lyrically, the problem that I have, and this is just my own thing, okay? So this is not actually something that anybody else would criticize. But you know that I have a real irrational fear of straws and it's you do <laughs> yeah oh no I, a real irrational fear of straws and i also have an irrational fear of like somebody sticking chewing gum on the ground or on it like i get so grossed out by it and i think it's mouth trash is <laughs> the work that i've done on myself <laughs> I'm I, I'm just trash. yeah I really I I hate mouth trash and so hitting me on music for a sushi restaurant with blue bubble gum twisted round your tongue. It really I'm not even going to say the M word that you referenced earlier because I think we there's some people for whom we have to actually give a warning before we say it but that's the way that 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 phrase hit me so bad. It, it it just terrifies me. So so that's my least favorite lyric on the album, to say the least. Please, no more mouth trash, Harry Styles. <laughs> I know I'm going to regret going there, but is this also why stuck between my teeth bothers you? I'm just happy getting you stuck in between my teeth and there's nothing I can do about it. You, you got it. No more mouth trash, Harry. Mouth it, trash. Please keep it away. Oh, wow. I can't wait for the day that that shows up in the Oxford English Dictionary. But listen. Have we if, ever, have we talked about, I know we've talked about your fear of straws on social media some. I, just in case, just because it, I would like. No, I don't want to talk about Expire if we'd never truly explained it on the pod. Nathan and I got smoothies in Los Angeles a while back and we're leaving the smoothie place and we each have a smoothie in hand and I grab a straw. I'm like, Nathan, do you want a straw? And he goes, oh no, I'm afraid of straws and proceeds to just like gulp his smoothie the entire time because you're terrified of straws. If I like, if, if I brandished a straw at you, you would sort of you would jump back in, in discomfort. Every superhero has weakness, Nora. And my kryptonite, kryptonite is mouth trash. First and foremost among them, straws. Okay. Well, at some point, we're going to have to grade the types of mouth trash by how scary they are to you. But for now, we have to grade this album. 
Where do you end up? I want to hear. You want me to go first? Yeah, I really do, actually. I wound up at a B plus. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's why I wanted you to go first. I knew you were going to surprise me. I wound up at a B plus. Talk to me. I think it's really good. I think it's, it's really fun to listen to. It's not fine line for you. You like fine line better. Yes. I definitely like fine fine line better. I, I I am seeing a lot of oh this is this is his best album by far. I don't agree with those reviews. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think fine uh, line not because this album and, and isn't I don't good. agree with them in part because I no I think this album is really really good. I think that is fine underselling line. fine line. Yeah, yes. I, I also I really and I'm curious because I'm curious to see where he goes from here just because he's not necessarily acting in a way that makes me think that he agrees. But I see, I think he has the spirit of a pop star more than that of someone whose real medium is storytelling through music. Yeah. And I I just would really, really hate to undersell the, both the the pop elements of Fine Line that I think are, are just really, really excellent. And then also the fact that he did Somebody did get him to cry in a room once or twice we need for to, Fine Line, right? We need to lock him in there for a little bit longer. But yeah, oh, certainly on Fine Line, yeah. So yes, out of respect to Fine Line, but also because I'm going to listen to this album all summer and there are songs from it that I'm going to listen to and on and on and on. It's a B plus. It's a really good album. We agree, Nora. This is a rare thing. I, 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 yeah, I think it's a B plus. I, I, but it's like trending to A minus for me. And yep. I think that you could have a bunch of people over and put this on and just let it go. You can put it on in the car and just let it go. I, I, totally. I, yeah. And so this could have been the album that sent him absolutely artistically into the stratosphere. And I think that's the point that you're making around he's a pop star more so than a you know, singer-songwriter. I don't think there's anything wrong with that or bad with that. I think his live performance is, and his sort of public persona is what's going to keep him in the headlines. This album could have gone very poorly for him, right? If he had made something that just didn't connect or was sort of, you know, suddenly uh, it would have, it could have been catastrophic. This, it does not keep him from making a holy shit, uh, the emotional depth of the songwriting is incredible. Like that's going to be the album. If he can write that, that wins him the Grammy for sure. This is a great next thing. It does not sound like fine line. It is fun as hell. uh, And it keeps his career on the trajectory that is up and to the right. Um, But I don't think this thing is going to go down in the pantheon of, you know, great, unbelievable albums but it, but it also doesn't disrupt his career. And there was, there was an opportunity to screw this one up. I think they did take some chances on this. Um, yeah, no, I do too. I, I think this could, if Harry has the career that I think we both think he could and makes 10 plus albums and just gets to have all these different musical lives and it's all really, really great. I would bet that this ends up being one of the albums that the true fans are like, no, you got to spend more time with Harry's house. Like, trust me, Harry's house is like really, really where it's at. That album rules. Yeah. 
I think it. I think it's a great album. It's super fun. I, they're just. It doesn't get the A for me only because there were some choruses that I wanted to take me over the top that didn't. But there are some songs on here that I'm going to listen to again and again and again. And I also think that as a sort of front to back thing, it, it's a real album. That was always our complaint about the One Direction canon, right? Is that it, it really isn't. It, those aren't really albums. They're collections of songs. This feels like, as did Fine Line, a it, it is a, It is an album. album. As, did, as did Harry Styles, I think. Like, I think he's always made albums and paid attention to the format as a specific choice and been pretty successful in that. The other thing that I will say that if maybe this is trending up from a, a B, B plus to an A minus, another feather in its cap is that it does wear the influences. Like you're hearing a ton of 80s, right? Yeah. Like, and that is very clear. And, you know, there's the take on me in as it was. And there, there's a couple of those moments. Yeah. But it wears it a little bit more mildly. Yeah. Here. It's, there it's are less in your fewer face. hooks and melodies where you're going... It sounds good, but Harry, that's not really yours. I, I yeah. really, this is his. And another reason I do think that he gets a lot of and deserves a good amount of sort of benefit of the doubt is because I also really believe that this is the album that he wanted to make. And so there's something very comforting about hearing something and, and trusting like, oh, he's really happy with this. And these are the choices that made him feel good about these songs and good about this record. And that is automatically a more interesting journey to be on with a star, with an, with an artist than someone who's sort of just trying to see which way the wind is blowing. So I support a little bit of a, a little bit of the rosiness around this just because I really do believe that even when it's coming from a place of being sort of protective about some of the raw emotions that I'm guessing he has that I would be interested to hear more often in his music. I, I think he genuinely wants to protect that. And at a certain point, it's hard to argue with when, as long as you think that it's authentic. Harry Styles is a lot of fun. And so is this album. And so is this podcast. And so is getting to talk with you about albums and artists and songs. And just what a pleasure as always, Nathan. Thank you, Nora. Less mouth trash in 2023. <laughs> That's the goal. This has been every single album, Harry Styles. As always, I'm Nora Princiati. He's Nathan Hubbard. Dr. Taylor Swift, please do us a favor and drop 1989 Taylor's version so that we can get back on the mic and talk to you all soon. As always, thank you to the wonderful Kai McMullen for her production help on this episode and on this series as a well. whole. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.